February is the month of love. It's the month of relationships. And so we do our best to help you during these different seasons of life. So every February, we bring you a series based on relationships. And this series is called It's Not You, It's Me. Because if we're honest with each other, all of us at some point, or most of us at some point in our dating life, we have said this line, it's not you, it's me. George Costanza invented this line, it's not you, it's me. And we say things like, well, I'm just moving in another direction. I'm just, I'm in another season of life, right? We say things like, well, I'm just, I'm no good for you. I'm just not, I'm not the one that you need right now. And we say things, well, you know, I'm just, I'm not the right one. It's me, it's me, it's all me. But what we really mean in our minds is, it is absolutely you. Come on, somebody. It is, it is absolutely you. You are weird. You drive me crazy. You're annoying. Your mom is weird. You have cats and I'm a human and it's just not going to work out. Come on, somebody. It's going to be. Come on, you can pray about that. But I believe there's actually some truth to the statement that it's you or it's not you. It's me. I think there's actually some things in our own life that we could change that God wants to deal with as we enter into relationships of all types. James chapter four. This is our theme verse for the series. And the living Bible says, what is causing the quarrels and the fights among you? What's wrecking your relationships? And those of you this morning, probably wives, you're saying, well, it's that jerk of a husband that I'm married to. That's what's causing this egomaniac, narcissistic. He's just he doesn't help around the house. He's just a lazy note. And some of you husbands are saying, well, it's my wife. She's just a nag and she never, never loves me. And she just doesn't encourage me. And I don't feel celebrated at home. And yet James is saying, maybe there's something. That you're doing. Some of you are saying, what's that friend of mine? That friend of mine just doesn't listen to my garbage 24 hours a day. I don't know what's wrong with them. It's just them. Isn't it because there's a whole army of evil desires within you? And I'm here to tell you for the next four weeks, we're going to work on you. We're going to work on you. It got quiet in here this morning. Let's all pause for a moment and just think about it. Because chances are we've lived our lives if we're a normal person. And we've been praying prayers like, God, would you just speak to them? God, would you just change them? Lord, would you just just open up the heavens and just rain down and change them because it's driving me crazy? Because if you would just change their attitude, then we could have a great friendship. And if you would just change their mentality, then we could have a great marriage. And if you would just change them, oh, Lord, it would be amazing. And we say those things and we believe them. And if we believe those, we very seldom hear what God wants to say to us. We oftentimes tune out what God wants to change inside of us. And I believe God has an amazing message he wants to give to every single one of us. So here's what I'm asking during this series. Let's keep our elbows down. All right. If you hear something that you think, well, they just they really need to hear this. Let's not do one of these. All right. Let's just let the Holy Spirit convict. Let him do his job. And then we're going to do our job of listening to what God has to say to us. And so if you're taking notes and you're thinking, well, praise the Lord, my husband needs to hear that. Amen. I just I'm going to take some extra notes. Let's keep that out. Let's do that. The Holy Spirit do his job. All right. We're going to do ours. All right. We're going to do our job. And we, I promise you, at the end of four weeks, we're going to grow at the end of four weeks in our relationships, in our friendships, in our marriages. We're going to grow. We'll have some real tools that will help us have the best relationships that we've ever had. So here's the roadmap for where we're going. Uh, and then we'll jump into God's word today. Next week, we're going to talk about it's not you. It's my past. Because all of us have one. All of us have a past that's filled with, with broken relationships or a past that's filled with, with tragedy or a past that's filled uh, with things in our lives that we've tried to forget or tried to put behind us. All of us have those. So we need to deal with the past so we can see what God has for the future. Amen, everybody? So we're going to deal with that next week. And then in week three, we're going to talk about it's not you, it's my communication. My communication, because that's at the bedrock of every relationship, everything that we do that involves other people is our getting the communication right, because you have to start from a place where you're both speaking the same language. And so we're going to do that in week number three. And then we'll end the series where I believe all relationship problems stem from. And that is, it's not you, it's my selfishness. 
It's my selfishness. So don't skip that week because we're going to end the series with my selfishness. But today we're talking about it's not you. It's my expectations. My expectations. Because we live in a world that does make it all about ourselves. And that first step we take from our selfishness is in the expectations that we bring into every friendship, every relationship, every marriage. We bring expectations. And I genuinely believe that people cannot meet every need of our life. But we go into relationships expecting them to do that. We think if I just find the right friend and they can just listen to me nonstop, just kind of dump all my garbage on them and they'll never have any garbage of their own and they'll never say anything that annoys me. They'll just be the perfect friend that I need. And we say, well, if I can just find the right spouse. Then, man, they'll just, you know, I wake up in the morning and they have already have an eight course meal ready for me. Come on, somebody. And the bath is drawn with rose petals. And it's just it's a, and they don't have morning breath. Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness in God's house? It's just an amazing Amazing fairytale that we go into relationships believing, but then you get a little bit further into the relationship and the shine starts to come off a little bit and you, you get a little bit further in and you, maybe you start to have some fights or you start to, to disagree about some things and careers start to take off and then maybe you want to buy the house but there's some debt and then you get a little bit of water under the bridge with a friendship and you start to say things that you never thought you would say to that friend or to that person. And it starts to get a little bit and it spirals out of control and now we got a wound in our heart. And it becomes a grind. And sometimes, even in our marriages, we wake up one day and we say, well, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I expected to happen. It's not what I always dreamed of. It's not the life that I always wanted. I heard about one couple that they had had a knockdown, drag out fight like they often did. And this one was just worse than all the others. And so she had just had it. She'd had it also. She stuffed all his clothes in a bag and she threw it at him and she said, I want you to get out and I want you to die a long and slow and painful death. And he said, well, now I'm confused. You want me to stay? (laughs) I don't care what you say. That's funny. Come on, somebody. And so we get to this place where life just isn't turning out like we expected it to. I'm going to talk about that just for a moment from our theme verse, James chapter 4. But then I'm going to talk about what the Bible says that we need to expect from our relationships. And what we can work on in ourselves that we can kind of bring it back into alignment. All right, everybody. James chapter 4. This time in the New Century Version. It says, do you know where your fights and arguments come from? They come from the selfish desires that war within you. So he says, it's coming from here. It's coming from inside of you. And then verse two, he says, you want things, but you don't have them. So there's a turmoil inside of us and you want things, but you don't get them. And they don't come to pass. And so your expectations aren't fulfilled what you're expecting. And so then we get ready to kill. We get ready to kill all the things. Some of you are killing some people in your life. You're killing with your words, with your cold shoulders, with the way that you treat them, with the things that you say. Maybe sometimes with a silent treatment, you're saying those. And you're considering killing off the things. Some of you are even at that place today where you're considering divorce. You're considering killing the relationship, pushing people away entirely. And then it says you become jealous of other people. And so a lot of times in our relationships, we become jealous of others. We say, well, if I just had a friend who was a little bit better than you, if I just had that person, then my life would be so much better. Or if I had just married that guy that I knew back then, he's so much better than this one that I married. And that's just, I don't know why I thought she had so many faults and, you know, compared to this person that I married. And some of us even get to the place where we're jealous, where we're actually thinking, well, I am the greatest spouse in the entire world. And so we're jealous of our spouses. We say, if I was just married to myself, then all my problems would go away. I could just be the perfect person for myself. Come on, somebody. I mean, no, that's wrong. And And then you think, well, I serve you and I love you and I do all these things. And then what do I get in return? This is what I get. I don't get nothing. And so at the end of the day, we're frustrated. And then our relationships aren't living up to what we expected. And so we're ready to kill and we're jealous of other people. 
And he says, but you still, you cannot get what you want, so you argue, and it ends in arguing and fighting. And we get this aggressive behavior in all of our relationships. We begin to argue and to fight. We begin to say things to the other person. We begin to say things to our friends. We begin to say things to coworkers. And we think, if I can just be mean enough, then maybe I could wake them up, right? And then maybe they would just wake up to what they were doing wrong. And then I would have the relationship that I want. If I can just say the right things. And at the end of the day, life starts to fall Apart, And some of you are in that spiral. Some of you are in that spiral in your marriages, in your relationships, where you're just ready to call it quits. And you got arguments and fights. And I just want to pause for a moment and say that this, this series is not just about marriages. But I am praying for every marriage in the church. I am praying for every single one of you. And I just want to tell you that some of you are hurting today. And I prayed through this section for a long time when I wanted just to say to you that some of you are in that place. Because nobody in our church goes to the altar thinking... In the back of their mind, saying their vows, thinking, well, this is only going to last a couple of years. This is just not going to be a thing. Nobody goes. No, we go there thinking this is going to be the perfect person. This is the one who completes me. And we stand at the altar. We say those. But somewhere along the way, the train came off the rail. Some of there was hurt and there was tragedy and there was things. And so some of you really are hurting today. And I want you to know I'm praying for you. Some of you are in a bad place and I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God would do a miracle that you'd be able to recapture that love. Or if it's not possible, that you'd be able to be healed. I'm praying that God would do a miracle in your life. For those of you that have great marriages already, I just applaud that. And I just pray that this would just be another log on the fire. Come on, somebody. You just be able just to strengthen those things. For those of you that are single and you're looking for somebody, I just pray that you would learn that this is a time of preparation. And then maybe you'll find someone in this small group. I'm just praying for you this small group semester. You are one small group away, right, from that chosen. <laughs> I'm praying for you this one. For those of you that say, man, I'm going to be single the rest of my life. I'm just done with that. I'm praying that these would be some relationship principles for you that will help you navigate every issue of life, whether you're in relationship with friends or with bosses or coworkers, whatever it is. And let me just say also for those of you that have walked the painful path of divorce, there is no condemnation here at Victory. We're not here to beat you over the head or to make you feel guilty about something that happened in your past, all right? We're praying for you. I believe that God can bring restoration and healing in every situation. I believe that God can bring restoration and a miracle into every life. And so there's no condemnation here at Victory. That's not what we're here to do. I'm just believing. And maybe if it's your seventh marriage, we're going to make it the best one. Come on, somebody. Because the best marriage that you're in is the one that you're in. Come on, somebody. We're going to make it the best one yet. Come on. It's a, that was a weak amen. Here we go, everybody. We're going to begin to pray over those things that you're already. Because I believe God wants to do a miracle in your relationships. I believe that there can be healing. And I believe God wants to do a miracle in the path that you're going to walk from here. And so we're just continuing to pray over those things. About five years ago, uh, I had done a mission outreach here from the church to North Africa. Uh, and we were in Western Sahara and coming back out of uh, the Western Saharan desert. And I got violently ill. All right, everybody. I just got sick. Uh, I just it came upon me in a moment and it just it lasted for about two days. And then I thought I had beaten it and it resurfaced in a hotel airport in an airport hotel in Madrid. Come on, somebody. And it was the worst night of my life. It's actually a really good story, but my wife doesn't let me tell it anymore. Uh, but it was just a great Great night for me. I'll tell, I'll tell it another time. All right, everybody. But I don't get sick very often, but I just got sick. I spent the whole night throwing up. And while I was throwing up, I spent a lot of time with the toilet. All right, everybody. I spent, I spent quite a bit getting to know that toilet there in Madrid, right? I woke up. I won't tell this. We'll tell that another time. And it just, I spent a lot of time. And like any preacher does, any good preacher, I realized that there are a lot of principles here that can apply to marriage. Come on, somebody. There's a lot of... <laughs> Today's going to be fun. I can tell you that already. There are a lot of principles here that can help you in your relationships. And so I want to take just a few moments and just explain to you how the expectations that we take into relationships 
can be drawn from this toilet. All right, everybody, you ready for this? Some of the broken expectations, because if we're going to heal them, we got to figure out why they broke in the first place. we got to figure out why our expectations are broken in the first place if we're going to put this thing back together. If there's going to be some healing, if we're going to grow over the next few weeks, we've got to realize this. About that other person, some of the expectations they have that probably are not realistic, we need to begin to see those if we're ever going to get healing. All right, here's the first one. Jot it down if you're taking notes. And that is, they don't always smell like roses. Come on, somebody. You're going to find out in this room that everybody stinks. Now, that's good preaching. It's borderline inappropriate, but that's good preaching. And you know it. All right, everybody. You're going to find that everybody, everybody, everybody has issues. I don't care what person you bring before. Everybody has issues. See, here's the thing. If you're not a believer or if you're new to the Christian faith or you grew up maybe not knowing some of the things from the Bible, you've probably gone into this idea about marriage with some wrong ideas. You probably had some wrong things told you, some lies about marriage, because there's a trend emerging in culture today that says, well, I'm not even going to get married because that's the part that falls apart. And so I'm not even going to do that. We're just going to do everything else. And it's not really working. And it's always funny to me that that's straight out as the problem, because honestly, that's the only thing that does work. The problem is all the other worldly principles that we bring into the marriage. A lot of times when we bring the wrong things in. But then when you get married, a lot of us go into it with rose colored glasses about our spouse. And I'll just tell you, if you have premarital counseling here at Victory, we do our best to draw back the curtain. Uh, our best that we can to show you that you are marrying a human. Uh, it's one of the things that we try our best to do. But you still go into the marriage with some rose colored glasses. There's a level where you're not completely acquainted with your spouse. And then you begin to live together uh, under the context of marriage. And you start to find out, you know what, you stink. Man, you just, you got issues, you got some problems, and that's a universal principle in all relationships. Once that shine comes off in a friendship, or once you start to get to know somebody a little bit better, you start to realize, hey, you kind of stink. You got a little bit of stink about you. Now, I know that all of you who are engaged, or you're a couple of weeks from getting married, you're like, that is so sad that the married guy is so cynical about people. You are thinking right now, that is so sad that Pastor Ben just thinks that about all kinds of people, because my husband or my wife will never disappoint me. They will never, ever let me down. This friend of mine, that I, they will never annoy me. Let me show you what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes. Not a single person. Come on, we're going to read this together. Not a single person. One more time. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Not a single person. All the wives say, amen, brother. That's just good preaching right there. You know this to be true. And now that you've got acquainted and you realize, wait a minute, I am married to a sinner. I'm, and some of you say, I didn't have to come to church to know that. I know that already. I'm just, you are married to a sinner. And when you become acquainted with that, especially in a relationship, it begins to cause problems. Here's the second thing we learn about them. They don't always replace the toilet paper. Come on, can I get a witness in God's house this morning? Because there is nothing worse than you are walking through the house. No, you are running through the house. And the launch sequence is engaged. And you run into the bathroom. And you realize that the toilet paper roll is brown. It is not white. It is brown. Because some kid in, lives in your house and eats your food, or some spouse, your spouse, used the facilities and did not replace the toilet paper. There is nothing worse in this world. Come on, somebody. You people are being a little too, too prim and proper for me this morning, all right? I need your help, all right? There is nothing worse. Or like my roommates in my apartment used to do, they'll leave one square draped over the top of the toilet paper. That does not work, all right? That does not, that is not enough, all right, everybody? Austin, wherever you are, I have not forgotten, all right? I have not, there is nothing more annoying than that. And so they do these things that are annoying or like one of the worst things in the world is they replace the toilet paper wrong. 
Come on, somebody. They replace it like this does not count. Come on, somebody. Alyssa. (laughs) I'm going to pay for that one later. All right, I'll pay for that one. (laughs) Or like there's a protocol when replacing the toilet paper, right? Over the top, there is a protocol. If it goes over, come on, you can say amen. That's biblical, all right? That's biblical right there. That's just... Over, it goes over the top. In fact, I can prove it to you. Watch this. This is the patent for toilet paper from 1891. Come on, throw that up there for me on the thing. Throw that up there. Look at this, the patent. Aren't you happy you came to church? All six figures over the top. Come on, somebody. All six figures. <laughs> it's biblical. I'm t- and consequently, we know the only people who do it backwards are cat people. So that should just tell you. <laughs> That the decisions you are making go against God's law. Come on, somebody. You need to <laughs> you need to pray about that. You need to pray about that. Here's the point. It may not be toilet paper. It may be fingernails. It may be toenails. It may be dirty dishes that never make it to the dishwasher. It may be dirty laundry that piles up in the corners of the bathroom or various places around the house. It may be hair left after shaving on the sink all around. Come on, somebody. I found out. About four years ago, while preaching on this stage with my wife, that apparently I always leave beard hairs on the sink when I shave. All right, everybody. And it apparently has annoyed her. And I never knew about it until we were standing in front of the whole church. (laughs) So that's healthy, right? That's real. (laughs) I hate relationship series. Come on, somebody. But it's not the main, not the big things that you say on a stage in front of everybody that wrecks most of the marriages. It's the little things. Watch this. In Song of Songs, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love for the grapevines that are in bloom. It's all the little things that are annoying. So you find out men even, not only are they sinful, but man, they're kind of annoying. They do these little things that just build up. They do these things wrong, just kind of great at my nerves and it's aggravating and it just drives me. And then you find out that they don't put the seat down. Come on, somebody. Then you find out. Guys especially mess this one up because we think we're doing everybody a favor in the world, right, by lifting the seat up. We feel like we are doing the world a great favor. And guys, if you have ever awoken at 3 a.m. to hear a splash, you know that this is not true. Because you open your eyes and you hear those beautiful words being said by your spouse and you realize you have made a horrible, horrible mistake. Come on, somebody. You have messed up. Because guys, we think, even when we think we're being unselfish, Even when we think we're being loving and we're helping the world by putting the seat up, we still are being selfish and thinking the world revolves around us. So we put the seat up thinking, this is great. This is what I need to do. And then we realize, no, 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 this is not a nice thing. We have to put the seat back down to complete the act of being nice. Come on, somebody. And there's a verse about this in Proverbs. Watch this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, its way is death. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Put put the seat down. All right, everybody. So here we are. We're in this relationship and we find out, oh, my goodness, you have sin. And oh, my goodness, you are kind of messed up and you stink and you're driving me crazy. And on top of all that, you don't even think about other people. You just think about yourself and you are selfish. And then the fourth one we find out is they don't wash their hands. Come on. And that's just gross. That is just gross. We talked about that in our Bible reading a few weeks ago. Come on, somebody. We just anybody ever been in like an airport or a gym or a stadium bathroom, and you just see this line of people just leaving out of there, right? Just not washing. You just want to call them out in public, like total strangers. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
bring it back on in here, right? Like, I don't even know you. You're, I don't care if you're 50 years old. We're going to wash our hands. Come on. You'll be touching the doorknob, be shaking hands with other people. Just, I just, get back in. I give you permission in the church bathrooms to call people out. All right, everybody? We're going to, we're going to wash our, <laughs> just gross. Because the CDC says that the average person, when you don't wash your hands, carries millions and trillions of little microorganisms that are living on your hand that spread disease. Right, that spread these things. And when you don't wash your hand after you go to the bathroom, so then you touch like the door handle or somebody else or somebody other hand, and you spread this infection and this disease to other people. Here's the principle. So many of us in life go through bad relationships. Whether it was something with our parents that raised us or whether it was a teacher that spoke something over us or whether it was a relationship or a marriage or something. So many of us go through these relationships that didn't go well and didn't get our hearts clean afterwards. A lot of times we'll do it and we won't get ourselves clean afterwards because we didn't see anything on the surface. It's not apparent to us that something was left over from that. And we're still carrying those. And so this is still alive in our hearts, but it's not really detectable to the eye. And so we thought it's not a big deal. And so we go into the next relationship, bringing all that bacteria and infection because we never got it settled. The Bible says this, a bitter spirit, which is not only bad in itself, but can also poison the lives of many others. So we carry those things along with us. See, the world tells us, but if you could just find a best friend or you can just find the right person or you can just find that relationship, then you'll live happily ever after because then they'll bring you out of whatever it was that you're in. That they're basically going to be the savior to you, that they're going to fix all of your problems and they're going to make everything right because they're just so right. And so they're going to bring you a thing when only God can do that. But we begin to expect that from other people in our relationships. And we think we're okay and that they're just going to meet our needs. And we bring these infections along with us. We don't wash our hands emotionally because we haven't allowed God to cleanse us and to heal us. And then we wonder why things aren't going well. We wonder why things are falling apart in our friendships. And so we look at our marriage today and we go, you know what? We've had a lot of fights and we've exchanged quite a few words and, and all these things have happened and they're not going well. And I just don't think this is going to work. And we think, well, I just don't think that this is going to happen. I don't think we're going to make it work out. I don't want to be married anymore. I don't think there's any reconciliation. And you know what? I do believe that God wants you to have a new relationship, but I don't believe it's with a new person. I believe God wants to do a miracle in that friendship. God wants to do a miracle in that relationship. God wants to do a miracle in that marriage, but it's not going to happen by fixing someone else. Because we get to this place where we're focusing on my needs and my shortcomings, and we just need that person. But I don't think you need a new person. I think we need to become a new person. I think we need to become a new person because the key to relationships, when you think that friendship is too far gone and you're just going to write that person off, the key to relationships is becoming a new person because you're the only one that you can control. And so as you're listening to this message, you're going, man, I hope he heard that or I hope my brother heard that or I hope my sister heard that or my friend really needs to know. I'm going to take some extra notes for them. I'm going to take a little thing and just hand that to them on Monday. Let's deal for a couple of moments that we have left with ourselves. Because in every relationship that we go into, if we're not getting ourselves clean, we're carrying that into those. Because it's amazing how we will waste an entire relationship series thinking about the other person. It will never work on ourselves. I'm neglected in this area and I need this and I need that. And there are some things that you should expect from relationships, but they're probably not what you would think. So here's the first one. Jot it down if you're taking notes. The first one is that I need Jesus to heal me. I need him to heal me because truth is we all have these microbes. We all have these residual effects of past relationships that were unhealthy and damaging to our souls. And we need God to heal us. 
We need him to touch us. And even in the relationships that we're in, we've exchanged some words. We've said some things. We've broken some things. And so we've got some grudges that need to let go of. So God needs to do a miracle. So watch this in Ezekiel chapter 36. He said, I'll give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone. So we're saying, I need a new heart. And some of us, we've gone into the relationships and we say, well, I'm not going to get hurt again. So I've built this brick wall around this 35-foot double enforced with barbed wire on top wall around my heart because I'm not going to let anybody hurt me again. And so I have to put a new heart inside of you. I'll remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So then I'll put my spirit inside of you that you can follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. It's a great relationship principle. That God is saying he can replace the heart of stone, this thing that we've built up so we'll never get hurt again. He can say, I can give you a new heart. That I can make it brand new. Because no matter how great the relationship is, no matter how great the thing that we think it is, no matter how much it is, the more we get closer to Jesus, the better it can become. And no matter how bad it is, the closer we get ourselves to Jesus, the more we have capacity to love people. The more he can put his heart inside of us. Because if you want a new relationship, what you probably need is a personal revival inside of you. We need a personal revival. Because spending time with the Lord is what keeps our hearts soft towards other people. It's what keeps our hearts soft. All the pain and all the conflict. We had, Jesus, would you heal me? God, I pray that you would heal me so that I can fully love other people. Second thing is, I need Jesus to show me. I need him to show me. Because truth is, when we get frustrated in relationships, we're really good at finding the fault in the other person. Really good at finding the fault in our friends and finding the fault in other people we go to church with and never seeing the fault that's in our own life. We as Christians are really bad at this. And we're really good at finding faults. Where we're really good at finding the little thing that's in the other person. We're really good at finding everything else that's wrong in everybody else in the church and never seeing the thing. We typically believe that the problem in the relationship is the other person. And this is why we judge others by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions. So we begin to judge others by what they do and what they say. And we never give them a chance. But we give ourselves all of this slack because we say, well, I know what you heard me say, but that's not what I meant. I I know what you, you thought I meant, but it's not really what I meant. So we give ourselves all of that slack, but we never let other people explain what they meant. We just say, well, I don't care what you meant. I know what you did. And what you did was really hurtful. What you did really hurt me. So we think it's everybody else's problem. We think it's blaming it on everybody else. Like I heard about this one guy who went to the doctor. And he's talking with the doctor and the doctor says, is there going to be anything else? You know, your checkup's done. He said, well, everything's good with me, doc, but I think there's something wrong with my wife. I don't think she's losing her hearing. Come on, somebody, you know where this is going. This is going somewhere good. Come on, here we go. He said, I think she's losing her hearing. The doctor said, well, that's terrible. Come on, we're going to have to, you know, we can test this. What I want you to do is I want you to go home and I want you to call to her from different parts of the house and record those distances. And then we're going to kind of assess this and see if there's something wrong. So the guy agreed. And so he goes home and he walks in the front door and his wife is in the kitchen with her back to him, making something in the kitchen. And he calls from the front door, honey, what's for dinner? And there's no response. And so he gets a little bit closer and about 10 feet away. And he says, honey, what's for dinner? And there's still no response. And so he's a little frustrated. So he gets about five feet behind her and he said, honey, what's for dinner? And there's no response. And so he gets up right behind her and he's just frustrated at this point. And he shouts, honey, what's for dinner? And she turns around and says, for the fourth time, vegetable stew. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's a problem at my house. I don't know about your house. That's the big deal. Here's the prayer in Psalms. All right, everybody. Here's the prayer. Search me, oh God. Come on, somebody. We have changed this verse. Search them, oh God. Help them, oh God. Search me, oh God. Know my heart. Test me 
and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. Come on, somebody. And lead me in the way everlasting. Because we live our lives thinking it's everybody else's problem. But maybe God has to deal with something inside of us. I can't tell you how many times during the 21 days of prayer and fasting uh, or during the 21 days of prayer in August or even during day 22 prayer on Wednesday. I can't tell you how many times I pace this church and I just begin to pray for the people in my life. I love praying for the people in my life. Come on, somebody. I just love praying over them. I pray over my spouse, Alyssa. I pray over her. I pray over my kids. I pray over the staff. I just I love praying over everybody else. And typically, if you're like me, there are things that I'm praying that God would change in them. Come on, somebody. I just pray, oh, Lord, would you show them? Oh, Lord, would you open their eyes? Oh, God, would you just would you just begin to make them aware of their issues because they're driving me crazy? Come on, Lord. Would you just begin? I pace these aisles just praying those, just crying out, just rescue them from themselves, Lord. Yes, would you make that change? And I pray over our staff in these areas and my kids and my wife. And Lord, would you just change them? Lord, would you speak to them? I'm standing in the gap, Lord. I'm just I'm praying. And I pray these prayers. Here's the problem. A hundred percent of the time that God answers my prayers, he doesn't change them. He shows me my actions that are wrong, that are driving the thing that's driving me crazy. hundred percent of the time, he never touches them. He always deals with me. So I just quit praying. Come on, somebody. I just, I'm sick of all that. (laughs) Seriously, here's the principle. Matthew chapter seven. And why do you worry about the speck in your friend's eye? Why do you worry about the speck in your spouse's eye? Why do you worry about the speck in your boss's eye, the speck in your coworker, the speck in your church member? Why do you worry about the speck in their eye when you got a log in your own that you're beating everybody in your life to tar with? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> That's painful. Why are we trying to correct everything wrong in their life? That speck, why are we trying to work that speck out with the log we got stuck in our own eyes? It's going to be a good series, I can tell already, everybody. Because when we become aware of our issues, then God gives us grace for their issues. We become aware of our own issues. And maybe your friendship needs a little bit more grace. Maybe your marriage needs a little bit more grace. Because when we look in the mirror, we realize that we're not perfect. We all have some fault. As wonderful as you think you are, you have probably contributed to some of the pain, some of the problems. And that doesn't mean that your spouse is off the hook. It doesn't mean that they don't need to change. It's not what I'm saying. I'm telling you, we are all to blame. We're all sinful. We are all annoying. We are all selfish. We all hurt from past relationships. And all of us are on a journey. And so we would look in the mirror and say, God, what do you want to change inside of me? Lord, how do you want to change me? Because here's the principle in relationships. I hope you know this. There is no one person that is going to meet 100% of your needs. In fact, there is no group of people that is going to meet 100% of your needs. It's not possible. Nobody's perfect. Nobody does that. In fact, maybe in a marriage or in a friendship, you might have 80, 85 percent of your needs met. That is a great marriage. That is a great friendship. But what the devil wants you to do is get your eyes off of that and on the 20 percent and the 10 percent that are unmet needs and get you to throw away the whole relationship. Get you to throw away that friend that you've had for 20 years and say, well, it's just not good because this 5 percent of my needs aren't being met. If I just had that one thing, if you would just do this one thing, then my life would be so much better. And so we'll throw away a beautiful relationship because of one unmet need. It's the devil's trick to get you meditating on the one or two things that have, they have wrong about them instead of what's right. And so Philippians chapter 4, it says, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Because your spouse or your friend or your coworker is probably a little bit better than you're giving them credit for. And so you begin to call out greatness in them. This is a great tendency in small groups as well. You begin to call out greatness in those around you, those who are also hurting, those who are trying their best. 
begin to see the things. You begin to meditate on those things. So we say, Jesus, would you heal me? Jesus, would you show me? Because I know I'm not perfect. The things I need to grow in. And yes, your spouse and yes, your friend, they need to grow. It's no excuse for them to stay in their issues. I don't want you going home and say, well, Pastor Ben says you have to give grace for me and all of these things. No, that's not what it is. But sometimes it can take a long time to walk that path. And so we have to have some grace in the midst of it. Because reality is we all need to change. Every man is on a journey from where he is to where his wife wants him to be. Come on, somebody. It's just a fact of life. But in the meantime, we need to pray, Jesus, Jesus, would you heal me? Jesus, would you show me? And then, Jesus, would you empower me? Would you empower me? Because I need Jesus to empower me because they do have issues. They have shortcomings. They have major issues and weaknesses. And it may take a long time to change. But in the meantime, we have to do like Ephesians says. And that is be patient with each other. And this is within the church. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of this word, because of your love. Love is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. Love is a choice. And some of you are thinking today, well, you're just asking me to do the impossible. You just don't know that friend that I have. You don't know my sibling. You don't know what they've dragged me through. You don't know my spouse. You're asking me to do the impossible. Yeah, I am. It is impossible. It's why we have to have God at the center of every relationship, because it is impossible to love like this. First John 4 says the only reason that we love, the only reason that we have the capacity to love like this is because he first loved us. It is always a great reminder. We think about our relationship with Christ that every day we stray in our thoughts and our actions. Every day we betray the cross of Christ in the way that we live. Every day we betray that we are the greatest adulterers on the planet. And yet every day his love and his mercies are new. Every morning his love and his mercies are new and they're fresh for us. And if we'll allow our hearts to be impacted by that, to be supernaturally changed by the love of Christ, then it gives us the ability to love others. It gives us to be able to love the ones that he's placed in our lives. And then the beautiful thing about this as we close is that then we would be a representation of Christ's love to the world. That the world would be able to look at our relationships within the church, be able to look at our marriages, be able to look at our friendships, the way that we treat people. They'd be able to see those things and think what a great God that they serve, that they can love like that. That they could be able to love like that in how we love one another and how we treat one another. That we would represent the cause of Christ in how we show love to each other. What a beautiful gift that we can give, not only to our kids, not only to our spouses, not only to the world, but to ourselves and to our church. Every head bowed, every eye closed today. I just want to pray that God would begin to touch your relationships. I just pray that he would begin to touch your lives. He'd begin to work on us and show us things that we need to heal, things that we need to change. Because I believe God wants to give us grace In our marriages, in our friendships, in every relationship. But first, there are those of you who are here today and you are far from God. And I don't know what pain or what thing drove you from him. Or maybe you've never been close to God and you feel like he's a million miles away. I just want to pray with you this morning. And I want you to know that no matter what relationship you're in or what brokenness you're coming from, you'll never have the ability to truly love other people until you put God at the center. And so today I just want to pray with you one simple prayer that gives control of your life to Jesus Christ. That says, I can't do it on my own. I need him in my life. And so if that's you today, you say, I want to make that decision. Pastor Ben, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of being far from God. I'm tired of the emptiness. I want to come close. I want to come home again. I want you to know that God wants you. And I don't know what broken relationship you may have walked through. 
where you felt like nobody wants me. Or what betrayal you might have had where you feel like nobody loves me. And you feel like you may have never be loved again. I don't know what you have walked through, but I want to tell you this morning, God loves you. Jesus wants you. And he doesn't care about the past. He says, I can make it new. He doesn't care about the tragedy. He said, I can bring you peace. He says, I just want you. And so this morning, if that's you, if you say, I want to make that decision, no one else is looking around. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not looking to embarrass you. I want to connect you with a God who loves you more than anyone else. So I'd ask you this morning, just be bold. Make that decision. Just want to pray with you. If that's you right now, would you do me the favor? With no one else looking around, would you say, include me in that prayer right now? Would you just raise your hand? You say, include me in that prayer. Just right now, be bold. Thank you in the back. Great decision. Great job. We're going to pray with you. If that's you, you say, you want to make that decision. Great job. So every head bow, we're going to pray this prayer. And I'll give you the words. And we'll pray it with you. But you have to mean it in your heart. So come on, church. Let's just pray with him. Just say these words. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me for all my sin. For all my mistakes. Come and rescue me. Make me brand new. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus name. And Lord right now I pray over every relationship in our church. Lord I pray for those who are hurting today. Father in relationships that have spiraled out of control. I pray for restoration. God I pray for those who have been hurt by a relationship in the past. I pray for healing. God, I pray for those, Lord, who are struggling, Lord, just to just to have a relationship. Lord, I just pray for your peace in the midst of that. God, that you would heal their hearts today as we begin to grow and to heal together. Lord, I pray that you would speak your peace into their life. God, we thank you today that you do make all things new. And Lord, as we begin to give grace for one another, as we begin, Lord, to show the love of Christ to the world around us, that we would be an example of your love to the church. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. I thank you for making marriages new. I thank you for restoring relationships. I thank you for bringing families back together. I thank you for bringing healing, Lord, where we thought there could be none. And we pray all of this in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. And all God's church said, amen and amen. Can we put our hands together for what God has done today?